Hey, dealmakers, and welcome to the show where it's all about financial freedom with real estate. I'm your host, Garrett Lynch, and as always, let's get ready to own it. You're listening to the Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing podcast, hosted by Garrett Lynch and Michael Blanc, where we talk all about how you can achieve financial independence through apartment building investing. Whether you're just starting out or you want to scale your syndication business, this is the show for you. On this episode, I sit down with Todd Polkey, who has 15 plus years experience as an investment coach and strategist and has helped investors accumulate over a billion dollars in investments to date. We'll get into the show in a bit with Todd Polkey, but first, the fashionista 1967 with Apple Podcasts said, I can't believe this is free information. It's a wonderful podcast with such valuable content. I was intrigued by the free information about inflation, interest rates, and demands. If you guys have learned something from listening to this podcast, please give us a star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow our listener base. I want to chat about a student success highlights. Michael Gilman closed over 250 units across multiple markets. Congratulations, Michael. And if you guys want to find out how you can get on the active side of real estate faster, hire a mentor or a coach to help you get there. We have some great ones at themichaelblanc.com slash mentor. Go check us out there and see if it's the right fit for you to get involved. I've had so many success stories. I can't even count them at this point. Also, if you guys want to get involved on the passive side of investments, real estate investing, join us at nighthawkequity.com. You can go to our website, nighthawkequity.com, click the Join the Investor Club button, and schedule a call with our director of investor relations to see if it's a fit to work together. We have completely passive investments that perform to a high degree, better than a lot of investments out there in the alternative asset space, depending on the deal, of course. But you don't have to do anything. You don't have to worry about toilets, fixing sinks, dealing with management companies, any of that stuff. We do it all. And you get a report and then it checks to your mailbox. So if you guys want to find out more about that, reach out to us again, nighthawkequity.com. Click the Join the Investor Club button. So with that, Todd Polkey is on a mission to enable you to live a life of unlimited income. His wealth system, Profits to Portfolio, has been proven to be an instrumental tool in helping thousands break away from a default life. He not only guides people in wealth creation, but also emphasizes the importance of leaving a lasting legacy. I'm excited to have Todd on the show today. So let's dive right in. Todd, welcome to the show. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. So you're calling in from Australia. So right now it's when we're recording this, he's got up pretty early to make this happen. So thanks for doing that for us. <laughs> of course, you got to love playing in time zones. I've just gotten back from overseas as well. So uh, my body's still trying to figure out if it's in Australia, or it's in Dubai, if it's in Singapore. And so it may as well be a little bit in US at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Cool, man. Yeah. Well, I'd love to get into your story a little bit. Tell us about yourself and kind of how you got to where you're at right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, before, so I've been in the investing and education space, particularly for around um, 20 odd years now. But before I got into this world, I was kind of like the burnt out personal trainer, right? So I was, you know, getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning, probably similar time to, you know, earlier than what I am up right now. And, you know, working 16, 17 hours a day, just grinding away, trying to 
get ahead financially, just playing the whole scorecard of, you know, the harder I work, the more successful I'll become was the rule that I had in my life. And, you know, by about the age of 19 and 20, being a young driven guy, I basically broke myself. You know, I broke my relationships. I broke my health and wound up in hospital, you know, broke my career, what I thought it was at the time. And at the end of working 17 hour days, doing that six days a week, doing that 50 weeks of the year, I still wound up broke financially. And so I got to the point at about 20 years old where I thought this shit's broken. Like there's got to be a better way than just doing the what everybody does, the default life, I call it, and just grinding my way. And so I started looking for other options. I started reading some cool books that probably a lot of us have read, like, you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad and attending some different seminars and doing some different things. Wound up buying my first property at the age of 20 and made more money in that one transaction doing a renovation to it, a rehab to it in the six months than I did my entire year's working. And I had a revelation. I saw the light. And from then on in, I just got out of everything I was doing in a short period of time. And I just fell in love with investing. Big background in property investing. But to me, it's never about the assets, about the purpose, the asset service and the portfolio to help you create more choices in life. And so I've got a big background in, in shares and trading and cryptocurrency, business investing, lending strategies, and a range of different types of strategies. And so that's what I've been doing the last 20 years, kind of coaching, educating, training people how to create financial freedom in their life using investing as that vehicle. Awesome. What is your profits to portfolio system? Wilson, can you give us like an overview of that? Yeah, 100%. So what I found after being in business for you know, 15, 16 odd years and working with many businesses over the years, and you'll understand this, you've been in business and exit and, and all that different type of stuff, is that so many business owners, they like business can be a black hole, right? You can be a gladiator sport, it can be a black hole. You can put all your time, you can put all your energy, you can put all your money in it, and it just keeps, it can keep sucking. Like, and that's what it does for a lot of people. And what I found was that a lot of business owners, they built their wealth in their business. But they didn't use it, use the business as a tool to build their personal wealth. And so they got to the end of their kind of business career after sacrificing a lot, taking huge risks, and they really didn't have enough left to show for it at the end. And so Profits Portfolio is one of the systems that I run where, you know, to me, education, like wealth creation is a system, investing is a system. It's not about like just hoping things are going to work out. There's a process you follow. And the same with when you're investing in multifamily complexes and acquisitions, it's all a system. And so with the business owners, what this is all about is, well, how do you take your business profits and how do you transfer that into personal wealth? So that while you're building your business wealth, you're building your personal wealth at the same time. So you have an exit position, but also at the same time, like you're truly rewarding yourself for all the time and effort and hard work that you kind of put into the pathway as you're growing your business and going through life. Wow. That's really cool. So how did you come up with this? Honestly, a lot of this was from my own experiences, right? You know, as a young fella in mid-20s, as I went into business, what I found was that business was taking everything from me. Like it was, you know, with a young family and it was taking all my time. It was the risks I was taking and it was taking all my money. Like, and I didn't know how to build a business at that point in time. To me at the time, it was just me with a few people along the way trying to help me out, but I didn't know how to lead a team and leverage off that team at that point in time. And so it was honestly from a point of pain. Right. It was really kind of understanding that and fast forwarding that if I kept doing what I'm doing, then uh, I can just see the result I'm going to wind up with, especially because I was working with these business owners who are 
20 years, 30 years, 40 years down the track from me who were really kind of struggling, like at age 60, still tied to their business with no real wealth in their personal names. And I just thought that there's got to be a better way. It's not right. Like entrepreneurs work their backsides off and they deserve a lot better than what a lot of them are realizing. And this idea that you're going to sell your business for a big sellout at the end, for most businesses, that's not a thing whatsoever. Most businesses just either fade away or they sell for next to nothing. And, you know, yeah, some of the not business acquisitions up. I've done. Yeah. They're not set up to sell or they're set up in a way where the, that person is really at the core of the business. You take that person out of it, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't have systems. It doesn't have processes. And these people, what you're talking about, I mean, they're working themselves to death, like just tons and tons of time being spent on this essentially a job yeah. that they've yeah. created for themselves. Now, do they have the ability to choose when they work or not? Yeah, of course. But a lot of times these small businesses that you're just, you're stuck working 24 seven or whatever it is, if you can't scale it. So I'm curious, like, so you looked at this, you're like, all right, this is a problem. High level, what are ways that people can start to get out of that issue? Yeah, hundred percent is a good question. And you know, when we're talking about businesses and such, we have to understand, and people have to understand what type of business are they building, right? Are they building an asset or are they building an ATM? And, and it's fine. Either one of those is fine. There's no issues with it. But how you tend to approach that business is going to be different. So what you did an exit, at, it was doing some research and stuff. You did an exit at about 26 or 27. Is that right? On, on one of your first businesses? Yeah. Well, so I started my first business when I was 26. And then I exited. Yeah, right. I had about 3,400 apartments by the time I was 29. So we scaled it pretty quickly. And then I had my, I exited when I was 29. Uh, yeah, and, right. Yeah. Man, super impressive. And you were able to exit that because you kind of set that business up as an asset. So it's a saleable asset. And I personally think that investing is the best business you could possibly have, right? Because, you know, it's a different type of business. It's a different type of risk and different things that we kind of do. And you can truly create this passive system which follows. And so to me, when I think about most people in their, where they wind up in their life, right? And for most people that I tend to meet, there's kind of people are in one of three different places. Either they are struggling like heck and they're bleeding and they need to kind of plug that bleed and actually start to put some assets behind them because their whole system right now, because everyone's running a system, right? But sometimes the system just isn't very good. And so some people are running a system where it just perpetuates this bleeding of money and they literally work to pay the bills their entire life. And so they've got to first recognize what system they're playing by. Some people are just playing just to get by and they make enough just to get by, put a little bit away, but they're playing the system where maybe they're going to be able to retire sometime in the future when they're 65 or 70 or some arbitrary age that the government sets aside, right? Then there's a, the wealthy play by a completely different system. And because they play by a different system, they wind up creating a very different result. And so I think the first step for most people is they have to acknowledge, well, what system am I playing in right now? And then make a decision, what is the new system I want to start? So, you know, you teach people and help people to interact in a different type of system in terms of their money, in terms of their business, in terms of their wealth. And because you allow them to give them that platform and framework, they can create a different res result along the way. 
But if obviously if we keep doing the same thing, we keep getting the same results. So I think getting really clear on what that system is to begin with and deciding that, okay, what's the new system that we need? And then we've got to start learning a new system. And that initial level of education, because we're never taught any of this in school or any education system in any way, shape or form, going nerdy at learning this new system and getting mentors along the way is what one of the most critical elements I think is. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. I think that there's people that just get, they get stuck and they they don't even have the awareness to understand, yeah. like you said, what system they're even in. And so I'm assuming you have a way that you help people diagnose what that is so they can get awareness around it, uh, right? The, I mean, you have talked to them and do you have some kind of framework that you built around to help people discover kind of where they're at? Yeah. Look, to me, I'm a strategist. That's who I am, right? As much as yeah. I love real estate, my background for sure, uh-huh. is what I've been doing for 20 years. And you know, I love real estate, but to me, it's also just a thing, right? Yeah. The same as crypto is it's just a thing and shares as a thing and business investment is a thing. They're just individual cogs in an overarching system. So to me, I'm a strategist. That's what I focus on. I work with people. We zoom out. We see the bigger picture, where we want to go, where are we right now, and how can we actually create a pathway to be able to bridge that gap, right? Now, when I think about people's building a strategy, there's three elements I'm always considering. One is all about strategy, because if you don't have a strategy, then you're just kind of wandering around in the dark and you're hoping for the best and straight out, that's just gambling and investors don't gamble. So we've got to get a plan in place first and foremost. Then we've got a structure as the next one. I always think about this triangle, right? So we got strategy, we got structure, and we got system. So you've got to set up the structure for you to be able to receive wealth and be able to grow your wealth and start with the end in mind. And then you've got a system that you've got to generate in terms of how you actually get your deal flow and how you turn that into a functioning system which develops a consistent cash flow for you. But way down in the beginning when it comes to this system, It's all about getting clear on your numbers. And what I find is that most people don't know their numbers. You know, they only get to their money or their finances when there's a bill to pay or when it's tax time or when there's an emergency or when it's too late. It's usually one of those four times. It's only the rare soul who goes, do you know what? I want to actually build wealth, which is different than getting by. And so what what am I going to do about it, right? And so we've got to get clear on numbers first and foremost, because when we can understand numbers, we can understand what's the opportunity that's sitting in front of your face right now and how can we leverage it and how can we maximize it? But then we understand what's the limiting factor in your situation as well, that if we don't mitigate against this holding you back, it's going to bring your portfolio to an absolute grinding halt. Right. And that's one of the biggest things I see. And especially in this day and age with the lending market, how it is, it's harder and harder to get lending for a lot of people to be able to get past, you know, a standard property number one or two. Are you finding that as well? Or is your multifamily kind of helping people move past that in a bigger way with the lending situations? No, I mean, now more than ever, lending is just a tougher yeah. hill to climb because of what's in, in the US, interest rates have shot up faster than they have in 40 years in the last year. Where are you guys so, sitting at right now? Like, where are you at? Because we booked 12 times in, in like two years. That's same, our interest. Yeah, same. Yeah. We're up, I think, so on bridge debt, it's anywhere from 8 to 9%. And then on like yeah. agency, it's just over 6% yeah. is what we're seeing right now. But a lot of people performed their deals on 3 to 4% in the last couple of years because you couldn't, that's what was forecasted ahead. And all of a sudden it just started to go insane. And so, yeah, the lending environment has is, is become more of the challenge for a lot of people where they have apartment complexes, which all they all, all those are individual businesses, 
yeah that are operating well but because of the way they're set up in the background they're not producing that's just a common problem we're seeing right now in general yeah and you know rents have often gone you know in australia rents have shot up at the same time and so it's balancing it out but this lending situation you know in australia like if you're not doing something creative in terms of generating yield in your portfolio and generating other income streams most people are going to get one or two properties maximum and then they're going to be done dusted in their backside for literally years like that's what it is if you're just operating as a standard investor in the marketplace like i think to me i, I sit there and i fast forward and i really like to look at the future where things are going and you know to skate to where the puck is going right and so in the future you sit there and i look at it and go like the average that property investors are going to be like almost not non-existent, but the percentage of property investors in the marketplace are going to minimize massively in this next 10-year period, right? Oh, it's, yeah. This next decade for property investors, I think, is absolutely critical, right? I just see it it going, affordability is just going downhill at a rate of knots. And I don't reckon the government wants everyone to be financially free and running around and just doing what they want. If you're interested in passively investing in multifamily syndications, we'd love to hear from you. Go to nighthawkequity.com, click the join button and join our investment club. Fill out a short form and then you can have a call with us and we'd be happy to share with you some of our upcoming investment opportunities we have. That's nighthawkequity.com. Talk to you soon. So first of all, do you look at the US for investment opportunities now or is it mostly local to where you're at? Yeah. So I've got clients that all around the world and yeah. I work with, you know, I, I, I coach and educate on, on a strategy and system is primarily what I do. And then I look at the individual asset classes and different locations and where they offer opportunities. So to date, my primary acquisition has been happening in Australia with a lot of my clients, but now we're starting to spend a little bit more time in the US because I have a bunch of US clients over there. So we're looking at different options around there. I haven't spent a lot of time in US acquisition however so, so yeah so tell, then tell me about australia i'm always curious about other countries and how their investments go but what is it like right now to have a rental portfolio in australia like what is what does that look like as far as just the environment yeah expensive is the answer so <laughs> yeah that's, that's a big part of what it is like it costs, if you're looking at any decent style location especially during the covid situation we've just been through property prices just went that is literally shot through the roof. And then everyone, all the professional doomsdayers came out and go, oh, property price is going to crash and we're going to see drops of 20 to 30%. None of that happened literally anywhere in the marketplace. We had a little lull in the market and now things are starting to build because there's such a massive undersupply of real estate. So quite frankly, the Australian government has proven inept at actually developing any type of social housing system or put any type of supply into the marketplace and they've failed at this consistently over the last you know 30 40 years of the marketplace and i don't see it getting any better so when we start looking at investing in australian real estate if you're looking at getting into decent locations it's expensive marketplace like the affordability is just it's just not there for the average mum and dad to be able to get into the marketplace or the you know, I've got a 12-year-old daughter and I sit there and go, goodness, what's it going to be like in 10 years' time when she's 20, 22 and to get into the market? Because I think in the future that real estate's going to be something, first home buyers is going to be something you see in a museum and that real estate is going to be generational wealth is what you're building along the way. And it's really, really a big thing. So in Australia, here's the key things. 
huge undersupply of real estate, especially in decent locations, right? Unaffordability is a problem and it's going up because, you know, Australia has a big immigration policy going on with nowhere near enough real estate. Lending is, although we'll see interest rates drop probably towards the end of the year, start of next year, I reckon, and that's going to make the market pop up another level again is what's going to happen. And what we're seeing in a big way, and I know US is the same, is that the build to rent type of theme is starting to gain a lot of traction in Australia and a lot of real estate is being build to rent now. And so the government is setting up most Australians effectively be a lifetime of renters. And there's nothing yeah. right or wrong about that. A lot of countries do that. They're just born into that. But Australia has a bit of a love affair with real estate, and but a lot of them aren't going to be able to afford it in the future. And this ownership is going to create a huge wealth divide in the market, even more so in the next kind of decade. There's a lot of similarities between that and the US though. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, we have more land than Australia out here, but there's a ton of affordability issues going on. You're seeing a ton of build for rent uh, yeah. happening out here as well. And it's just that gap between the renter and the homeowner is so big still. Yeah. So there's always like for us, at least in multifamily, it's like there's always going to be a place to live. And especially in that B to C space, you're really, you have a decent amount of insulation, at least on the operational side. Your exposure is still there when it comes down to the financial markets. I mean, and, and just the lending space and all that, that that's still something I think that's going to be an issue for the next couple of years. But I'm curious, are you looking at any other alternative investments out where you are? Is it mostly real estate focused? Yeah, definitely do. With a lot of my clients, you know, just because as you know, once you've been doing this in this game for a little while, you tend to generate this beautiful network of people and this beautiful deal flow system, which tends to happen. And so I'm big into alternative investments. I do a lot of lending strategies with, you know, whether it be property developers or private equity businesses and things like that, and a lot of capital raising and that type of thing and giving people access to different private opportunities they'd never get access to. You know, doing some private equity stuff and some a bit of work with family offices. So the answer is yes, absolutely. And to me, especially in Australia, like multifamily is a thing in Australia. And look, I'm doing, but it's not the same scale as what you're talking about in the US. Like at everything in the US, is a, the scale is just big, right? Where Australia, everyone can be a little bit more conservative depending on where you are. But if you're not kind of generating income streams outside of your real estate portfolio, you're going to get stuck. And so I'm really looking for different lending strategies and things like that, where you can go and generate, you know, 10, 15, 20% returns in some different ways, which way outstrip inflation, which can be consistent and can have security associated with it as well. So I've got some sitting in the UK at the moment. I've got some sitting in Singapore. I'm hunting in Dubai right now. I've got a bunch sitting in Australia and different equity positions in business investing as well. I'm a massive fan of cryptocurrency with, with its use cases for the future, especially with central bank digital currency on the way. And yeah, honestly, my next market, I'm kind of starting to make a move to have a look into is the US, especially with the, in terms of like looking at multifamilies and different ways we have to generate income because the yield profile tends to be a bit different in the US than it is in Australia. So sure. yeah. Well, the big opportunity of multifamily, at least in my opinion, is so with the amount of bridge loans that went on in the last two years, even so two to three years, there's a lot of short-term debt that people cannot mm. get out of. And especially if they're not operating correctly, that their time is going to run out on these loans. Mm. They can't refinance and they can't sell unless they're taking a huge loss, but they're eventually yeah, wow. they're going to be forced in a position where they're going to want to sell 
and get something or give it back to the bank and get nothing. And so I think in the next couple of years, you're going to see many more of these issues, people that don't have access to capital to do a big enough capital call to overcome these. And you're going to see a wave of inventory in the market in general. And I think that it's difficult for operators like us because you've got a lot of investors that that just maybe they're in a deal that's currently going south or whatever it is, their sentiment is down quite a bit. So it's difficult to get those people apart with their money. But right. the real opportunity lies on the other side of what's going on right now. And so when you sit there and you look at when you assess the landscape, like how do you go, well, how am I going to like, how are you looking to maximize that landscape that you see coming up? Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. right now it's to, in order to maximize, I mean, it's really about the relationships that you're building right now yeah. in advance of what you know is coming. So I saw this coming a while ago before, before it actually hit. And I started refinancing some of my properties to put them in a safer place with fixed rate debt. We still have some exposure on the variable rate debt stuff, but now what's coming ahead, they could at lower interest rates or it could stay the same or it could go up, but we don't know, but likely it's going to stay the same. And so yeah. now it's about having as many of these conversations as possible with equity check writers, with institutional groups, family offices, your own high net worth investor base, yeah. over communicating on that side to, to build more trust. And then the banks, the banks, you want to have those relationships set up with the banks. So when it does hit, they're going to have to offload their assets somewhere. They want to get yeah. them off their books. You want to be that next phone call. Yeah, hey, I, got, I got something. It just hit foreclosed on this deal. It's coming back. You want to buy it. That's another thing. So a lot of right now, for me at least, is about fostering new relationships and existing ones and creating that and building those deeper so that when it's time to really run, we're set up to do so. Yeah. It's an interesting situation right right now, as you said, like, you know, a lot of capital in the in the capital raising market, like a lot of equity raising, things like that has dried up somewhat because people are a little bit more conservative. And so people are just holding on close to their purse strings, not sure what's going to be going on, what's happening, and a little bit of fear in the marketplace. And we're seeing that in big tech and different, like acquisitions across, you know, across market and capital raising across the market. But then on the other side, as you said, like anyone who knows the market knows that on the other side of this, when you actually look at what's happening, the deal flow from the other side, this is where real wealth is going to be made, right? Massive. I remember GFC times and any type of downturn, like these are the best deals I've ever done has been during that time when, and so as you said, like building those relationships and that network and keeping that trust with your investors by over communicating and building new networks ready for that market to hit. But that's where a lot of wealth is created in a short period of time. Those that are willing to be counter cyclical and not just follow the sheep. Yeah. And it's like, what are you doing right now to prepare? Because that's who's going to win in the end is the people that are best prepared. We're completely aware of what's going on with the existing assets that we own. So we're playing defense on that side. And we've worked out some strategies to get us out of a few of those situations. But we're also really looking at the offensive play because I think that offensive play, we can act on it and start acquiring, well, more than offset and make up some of the, some of these other issues that we dealt with on prior deals. And you just have to look at it as an investor and think, what side am I on? Do I recognize what this is? Am I going to sit yeah. back and clamp down and just hold on to cash? Or am I ready to make some real moves? 
and take advantage of this opportunity because it's it's coming. It's just a matter of when. And we I don't think we've seen the worst of it yet. I think there's more blood to be shed for sure. Yeah, I definitely see the potential of that as well. So, you know, we may be a little bit more insulated in Australia in certain ways, just because the banking system and a few different things are a little bit different. I don't see a lot of blood out of the market in Australia, but obviously everywhere's subject to what goes on in the global economy as well. If we start to see some, you know, more banks kind of over and if we start to see the political tensions and stuff happen and recessions start to tick into gear and some other, more countries and there's a bit of a contagion effect that pops on, then nowhere is safe. Like everywhere is going to get impacted in different ways. And again, it's it's those people who are preparing for that. And so when I look at it, you got to look out the future and you got to go, okay, here's option A, here's option B, here's option C that could actually go on. How can I prepare myself that no matter what comes my way, am I prepared to take it, protect myself, but take advantage of the opportunity? And it, like everyone's got to be smart by doing that because uh, playing chicken little syndrome, like the sky's falling in, the sky's falling in, or just pulling a doona over your head and pretending nothing's going on, like you're just going to get steamrolled. Like that's not smart. Well, that's and not most people are going to do that, by the way. A lot of most people are not going to be playing offense or they're going to be scared. And that's just markets. That's not even talking shit. That's like, okay, this is just how it goes. And so if you can be in that small percentage of people that think like that and, you know, maybe take advantage of a guy like yourself that's teaching these things or whatever it is, get involved. You can really set yourself up for a financial future that, that looks extremely bright when you have these kind of opportunities that come around. The funniest parallels that I've made, so I've never been through a real estate downturn. I started investing like right after all this stuff started. You know, after 08 was really the big one. And yeah. I, was, I was post 08 and that was a long time ago. But I did go through a crypto downturn in 2017. And so what's <laughs> I funny- I remember that one. That was a fun one, wasn't it? It <laughs> was a fun one, yeah. So I dumped a ton of money into all this stuff. And I was like, yeah. I was like wow, this- thing came slingshotting back and I had about 10% of my portfolio left. And I was like, fuck, this is ridiculous, terrible. And I watched that thing. I didn't sell anything. I just sat on it. I'm like, you know, maybe hopefully this comes back. But if I sell right now in fear, it's just going to be, you know, a waste at this point. It's worth so little. And then it came back to the point where I like, obviously it tripled or whatever from 2017 in this last run-up. Yeah. And when I started seeing like just real estate, this is funny, real estate like influencers posting about crypto and not real estate, I was like, you know what? It's time to get out of this. (laughs) It's time. time, It is time to exit. And I specifically remember one guy and I looked at him like, he's a big real estate multifamily influencer talking exclusively about crypto. I'm like, nope, sold like, a couple months before everything crashed again. And I was like, you know, I could recognize that muscle. Now I understand what it feels like. And I think that that kind of information that we're all going through right now, that's super valuable. And you can't really like just having that sense, that sixth sense now, yeah. when it's coming, you have it, to go through it to understand it. I think it's so true. Hey, like crypto is great because it, because the market, it compresses time, right? If you look at the crypto market and goes up and down like a yo-yo compare that to the real estate market 
And all of a sudden, you because what we're talking about is an emotional experience as an investor, right? And how you interact with the market based on your emotions. And when you're playing an emotional game in real estate, you're going to lose money. This is pure and simple. People buy on the hype and they sell on the dip. And that's what most people do crypto and then they sit there and go well crypto doesn't work now that's not true you don't work because you're operating from a space of emotional decision making as opposed to actually assessing the market in an objective way and this is the same in in real estate right it's just a slower, it's just slower. experience yeah, yeah it's just slower it's like crypto is really like super high emotional level quickly yeah. it's smaller cycles where is real estate, it's slower cycles. So you can do a lot inside of those cycles and you can flip properties or whatever you want to do. It's a slower impact, but now we're, you know, it's taken almost 15 years to get to this phase since the last crazy down cycle. And, yeah. you know, so you have to, you can still recognize it the same way. It's just, I, I almost look at crypto as like practice for that because you can, you can play the emotional roller coaster game and just feel the emotions. Yeah, a lot faster and more intense, and and this is just another version of that, dude. I did the same thing. Like I started in crypto when I was, you know, in 2016, and I saw the ride from you know about eight hundred dollars per Bitcoin up to you know twenty thousand dollars, and saw my money double in October of 2017, November 2017, and I thought this is incredible. This is great. And, you know, my spider sense was tingling at that point in time. Oh, take some money out, Todd, take some money out, Todd. And I took a bit out, but I didn't take anywhere near enough out what I was looking at. I cashed in and a bunch of money in October of 2017, and which was great. But, you know, then I saw the downturn go on. And so I saw my, you know, millions in a crypto portfolio go down to hundreds of thousands and then just sat and saw it go back up again. And look, I, I love it. I'm a fan of crypto, but I'm a really fan of the philosophy behind it, the decentralization. Like I'm a proponent of the philosophy behind it. And I think it's really important to kind of, as much as I'm, I love real estate, like, and I took my money out and I invested in hard assets. And that's what you got to think about. So when I build a portfolio, despite the fact I do all these alternative investments, I do it to make different outcomes and it's a trickle down effect into my solid real estate portfolio. And I own yeah. probably 80% of my wealth in solid real estate. Like that's the game I like to play and everything else is just a way. How can I keep building? How can I keep building? How can I create a system to keep building? And I think having that system and that understanding of what you're buying and why you're buying it and how to use that to grow your wealth towards financial freedom, like that's what the game really is all about. Oh, yeah. Todd, man, it's been great talking to you today. How can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out? Yeah, cool. No, it's been great having a chat. So two ways. Look, come and I run a free Facebook group in Facebook land called The Wealth Dojo. And in that group, it's absolutely free. You know, I put out a lot of trainings, a lot of free workshops, you know, challenges and different things on people, how to help people kind of create a strategy to be able to grow their wealth and not just real estate in different arenas as well. So that's probably one of the major ways a lot of people come and hang out and learn some stuff and get to know. But other than that, look, if you're searching just Todd Polkey on any of the uh, social media handles, that's a great way to be able to connect and, you know, stay in touch. Cool. Well, Todd, man, thanks so much for joining us. There's a ton of wealth and knowledge coming from you and best of luck out in Australia. Yeah, too easy. Thanks so much, man. Super appreciate it. Great chat. So I love what Todd was saying when he talked about we have to understand what system we're playing in right now. I think too many people don't have that kind of awareness where they really understand, what am I doing? Where, where in my Inside of my life, am I in the rat race? 
Am I on my way to financial freedom? Do I have things set up? And not having that awareness causes a lot of people to just be stuck in whatever system that they're playing. And I, I love how he puts that. There's, I've heard different versions of this, but that's a really cool way to look at just having that awareness to be able to get out of a situation that you're in that maybe you don't care for. I also loved his analysis on businesses, how people get into a business and then it just consumes them, ends up being another job versus actually creating financial freedom and wealth. That's something completely different. And having that ability to step outside and let the business run itself or have investments that work for you without actually having to spend time on it, it's so valuable. There's a lot of things that can take up your time, but there's not as many, unless you know how to find them, they give you back your time. And so when you're looking at overall wealth, you have to look at both time and money because you most likely want to spend time doing the things that you want to do versus having something else control your time. So I love what he talked about there. And then obviously just the, some of the differences between what's going on in Australia and the US really enjoyed chatting with him about that. So I'm always curious about what's happening in other countries. And it sounds like there's a lot of similarities between Australia and the US and definitely some differences. So with that, guys, thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate you. We'll catch you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Take the next step toward financial freedom by checking out our Freedom Vault, where you can find free resources to help you with apartment building investing. Whether you're an active investor just starting out or looking to scale your syndication business or looking to invest passively, Head over to themichaelblanc.com slash vault to gain access to our Freedom Vault.